deep in London's beating heart lies a wall A locked door it be if you know the call For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see Cause the wizard world is opened up as has the griffin's dream Hello and welcome to the Shrieking Shack, a podcast for lapsed Harry Potter fans I'm ZC And I'm Liz and Liz, um, uh, a big sad anniversary this week. Yeah, I'm feeling very somber today. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's been 20 years since the Battle of Hogwarts, where we lost so many, so many brave people and wizards, mostly wizards, I guess. Well, yeah, mostly, mostly completely wizards. Um, I you know think back on all the names we have. Lupin and Tonks and uh, Lavender Brown. Lavender Brown, who may maybe died in the book, but definitely died in the movie. Um, we've got Mad Eye Moody, who I don't know if he died at the Battle of Hogwarts, but kind he of did around die it. around it. Uh, <laughs> um, and and Tonks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but there's there's one. One this week that the J.K. Rowling took took a moment out of her day to to remind us of and apologize for uh, orchestrating, uh, and that's the death of our our favorite house elf, Dobby. Wow. Thank you, thank you, J.K. Um, I think I think we can take credit for this one. Um, I think that that the. Uh, the Dobby indulgence that we have been inspiring on the Shrieking Shack really, uh, I don't know, reached her either either uh, subconsciously or maybe, you know, hey, JK, if you're listening, um, would love to have you on uh, if you would uh, apologize for being a turf. Um, <laughs> but here's here's what she had to say. Uh, it's that anniversary again. This year, I apologize for killing someone who didn't die during the Battle of Hogwarts but who laid down his life to save the people who'd win it. I refer, of course, to Dobby the house elf. That's very powerful. It's very powerful. This is very weird. This is, this is the, <laughs> anniver- this is the anniversary. So like, there's layers here. First of all, celebrating the anniversary of a battle that happened in a book as if it happened the number of years ago, it would have happened if it was real is kind of weird to me like that, that 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 that's already like like approaching um like too much for me the way that it's become a tradition for her to like make a mea culpa for a character that like she killed as if she's like i don't know the god of this world where also the battle of hogwarts heaven is very very strange to me yeah this was all new to me i I didn't realize this was like something that the harry potter fandom observed until until last week uh can you think of any other fandom that does this or is this just a uh consequence of the events in harry potter having real world like date corollaries i've so like i've seen stuff i mean like like people celebrate like their favorite anime characters birthdays and stuff a lot sure but i've and like that that that's like i don't know like that that's like 
abstracted enough that it doesn't read read the same way to me. That, like celebrating an actual date in the same way that you would talk about like nine eleven. I think that's the <laughs> that's the part where this is weird. Like I don't know. Like like we sell like Star Wars fans uh, have May May the Fourth, right? And like that's cute. And like, but that's like fun and celebratory. It's also not in universe, right? Right. It's it, a pun. It, yeah. Yes. Um, but this is like, this is like self-inflicted imaginary nine eleven, which is very unique to the Harry Potter fandom, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it it seems unique to me. I don't understand at all, and I certainly don't really have strong feelings about this this fictional battle right i mean well maybe you know maybe by the time we've we've gotten that far and we've read the book and we've 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 re-experienced the horrors of war uh we'll 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 get to the next i think it'll be it'll be the next uh uh battle of hogwarts anniversary around then and we'll we'll like truly appreciate her apology um but like I I just I don't care about the Battle of Hogwarts really like (laughs) (laughs) like like what I remember about the Battle of Hogwarts is wishing it was over um and then being confused when it actually was and uh it ended with the scene from the Matrix Reloaded where Dumbledore talks to him in like a white train station like that's that's what I remember. I I don't remember this like deep psychological trauma and lo- loss of innocence that the fandom seems to have latched onto. Even if I if I wanted to celebrate some kind of uh you know psychological event that did happen, it seems uh more reasonable to me to celebrate the release of the book when I would have read it because reading mm-hmm. the book is a more real event than the Battle of Hogwarts is. Yeah, it's but you know there's lots of there's lots of like we we as we do we we plunge the depths of reddit and like every year there's a there's a memorial or like you know people coming to make their memorial posts saying it's time for a a second of silence uh there was one that asked for a minute of silence there was another that asked for an hour of silence um so really depending i guess on how many fictional characters you felt were taken away from you 20 years ago in a fictional battle um, pick your poison. Am I wrong in thinking most of the deaths were off screen? I, that's, that is the number one thing I always think of when I remember the Battle of Hogwarts. And like I said, it's been a long time. It's been about a decade since I read the book whenever it came out. Um, but like, I, <laughs> I, I don't remember many of the deaths being all that impactful, except for like being upset that Tonks died and like, I didn't get to see it. Or, like, she didn't do anything. She's just, like, under a blanket at the end. And, yeah, I don't... I I don't have any attachment to this, and I'm surprised to see it play out like this, I guess. Like, I guess this is this is uh, the moment where we all learned that war is, is hell, you know? The, this like, is, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is where we learn war is heck, uh, is because all of our favorite characters died, and we couldn't see it or do anything about it, and it didn't matter. Which, like, cool, except for the fact that, like, it, it's, like, the Battle of Hogwarts, logistically, is less of a battle and more, like, if 
like an army of neo-Nazis tried to orchestrate the world's biggest school shooting and failed. You know, like, like, <laughs> it, it, like, like, it's a school, right? Like, they, they get stuck on the bridge and they can't get into the school and they just keep shooting their laser guns at the, at the force field until, like, it's not really much of a battle. I don't know why it had to be a battle. And I, I, I'm, I think I'm a little mixed up because I know that they made it more of a battle for the movie but I also haven't seen the movie, so I think any perception that I have that it is that much of a battle is coming from us watching um, AMVs. <laughs> uh, with 30 Seconds to Mars songs playing over yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, because they like the like sweeping you know, battle shots for the, the yeah. climax of the song. And so, so I have this perception that it's a, a literal battle when really it probably wasn't right like i like i'm i'm trying to remember what actually happens in the book and like when i think of battles you know you think of like lord of the rings where it's like okay here's a description of what's happening on oh this is happening on the right flank and this is happening on the left flank and the you know there's there's people on the walls and and stuff but it's like in this it's like they're in the great hall i think there's i think when when molly calls bellatrix a bitch they're like on like a staircase and i think that's like about the like the biggest sense of place i remember about the battle you know like yeah this is not the battle of hogwarts this is the brawl of hogwarts <laughs> yeah this is yeah the yeah the like weird awkward supermarket scuffle of hogwarts it's very yeah we'll we'll get there eventually and and maybe we'll see the light and we'll we'll throw ourselves at jk's feet begging for another apology but like like a the premise of a of an author like also speaking of speaking of like can you think of any other fandom that does this do do any other like creators or authors or anything like regularly apologize to their fans for like stuff they inflicted upon them like this feels like do you remember when game of thrones was first getting really huge on tv and there's like that meme that would go around on Facebook and stuff where it's like, I, I, I'm JK Rowling. I killed. Oh fucking, yeah. <laughs> fucking Tonks and Lupin. And then there's like a picture of, of, uh, George R. R. Martin. And it's like, Oh, sweetie or whatever. Like, like Move this over, is JK that. Rowling. Yeah. New, new motherfucker in town are here to kill some characters, but like, this is that, but real to me. Yeah, I, and I understand that the the apologies are a little bit tongue in cheek, like as a yeah. I, I I guess I don't I don't really understand the fun in that. Um, but more more power to her, I guess. Um, and some of them don't seem all that. First of all, she has not apologized for killing Hedwig yet, which I think is the one that the only one that I care about. That's uh, true. Cause, Me too. Because because that was fucked up, and she hasn't apologized. Um, but, uh, the, the one that wasn't, uh, like, tongue-in-cheek at all is when she apologized for making, uh, Harry and, or, uh, excuse me, for making Ron and Hermione marry. Oh, yeah, that one kind of got swept under the rug, huh? That one's sure weird. I, I have, a, this isn't even from that long ago. This is from 2014. Uh, J.K. Rowling, Hermione should have married Harry, not Ron. 
her magical series author says pairing of bright ambitious witch was language with language surly wizard was personal rather than literary decision like first of all i don't i think languid languid and surly like that's a little mean like ron <laughs> poor ron yeah ron's not that bad um but it's just super weird like like one i guess it doesn't really matter that much and two just like apollo like apologizing and like retconning your own like uh like like did she just like want to throw a match into the into like the shipping wars like it's very very weird yeah and i kind of take this as i don't know she says that it wasn't like a legitimate literary decision or or something to that effect and she says it's like wishful i'm she very says confused it was wishful which makes that scene you know what this makes makes really uncomfortable for me is that scene in harry potter and me where she's hanging out with sean uh oh god no like like that's the like that's the connection i make there and it's and it makes this like doubly uncomfortable that this was like some form of like writing what would happen because she said sean was ron and she said she was hermione and then she says this was wish fulfillment like i'm just pulling i'm just putting the the stuff together here this seems a little awkward yeah and and she you know hermione is more and more her, I think, as we go on. I mean, Hermione's Patronus ends up being an otter, and her favorite animal is an otter, and she wishes her Patronus would be an otter, and and all of this stuff. Um, I don't know why she would wish fulfill to be with Ron when she also makes him just insufferable in the later books, but... <laughs> would you say uh, languid and surly? Uh, maybe. I, mm. I don't know. It's too, it's too soon to tell, but I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if I start saying that later on. Yeah. Yeah. So but, I, don't, uh, I don't know why she had to apologize for that. And um, I I will look forward to doing some more research about this because uh, I, I think she made this decision during the big book five rewrite, if I am remembering oh, correctly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. When, <laughs> what, what was the situation with book five? That was a, a leak or she just rewrote it? I'm, I'm getting two things mixed up here. Yeah, I think she just rewrote it. Um. But that was the gap year between, or the the many gap years between books four and five coming out, um, when right. she did a pretty much whole book rewrite. Um, and a lot of that is just, like, our information about it is kind of hearsay, and I, mm-hmm. I will look forward to looking into it more. Um, yeah. But I, I believe that that was when she decided, like, like... Either Hermione's going to up with Her- end up with Harry or Ron, and it went went Ron's direction, hmm. and also Sirius died. Hmm. I think someone else was. I think something about maybe Ron was supposed to die. Um, so that's all. All just a a big huh. mystery. Ron, Ron or Sirius? That's an interesting choice. Then we getting if that had happened, we'd be getting such different apologies uh, every year. Apologies yeah, she for... apologized for Sirius, or is that just too far away from the she, Battle of Hogwarts? No, she did. She's apologized for Sirius. She's apologized for <laughs> Lupin. Um, it's very strange. Uh, but uh, you know, just if you feel if you feel emotional about it, if you feel like a character was ripped away from you, uh, now is the time to take a moment, or a second, or an hour, or a week of silence to think about uh uh those we've lost and uh you know if you, you know if you're taking some you know a longer amount of time 
maybe make a tribute video for it. You know, mm. who, who, who are we to say? And consider Dobby especially. Consider Dobby. And uh, I guess uh, accept J.K. Rowling's beautiful apology for killing that sweet little angel. Mm. <laughs> I can't believe okay. I found the fucking video. Okay, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good on All that. All right, I'm over it. I'm over it. I don't give uh, a shit anymore. All these characters are dead, but you know what? We all die. Wow, that's true. That's Not true. at the Battle of Hogwarts, though. Maybe we died not. a little bit at the Battle of Hogwarts. Yeah, our innocence died at the Battle of Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, that's all I've got. Shall we move on to our reading for this week? We've got we've got a hefty chunk of of, of chapters here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, I think we can go into our chapters, which is going to be uh, a little tough after transitioning from the you know Battle of Hogwarts to yeah. Spirits are low, but we'll we'll do our best. Yeah. So I will go right into those. We start with chapter three, which is the burrow. Um, and I will kind of summarize it real quick. Um, we start and Ron and Fred and George have arrived at Harry's barred up window with a flying car and they break him out of the Dursley's house and. Um, on their ride back to to the Weasleys, there's a little bit of uh, exposition about house elves and their nature, um, and the boys all speculate that Dobby was sent to Harry as a prank, uh, and they do guess that maybe it's Malfoy's Malfoy's house elf. Um, mm-hmm. They arrive at the burrow. Uh, Mrs. Weasley is there and scolds them for taking the flying car and being out in the middle of the night, and, and you know she yells at them for a while, and uh, but is very nice to Harry. Because uh, it wasn't his fault that they decided to break him out. Um, and then they all go to denome the garden, and we get a very cute scene uh, where they do that. Uh, Arthur Weasley arrives home, and they kind of talk with him at, uh, at the table, and he talks about the work he does for the ministry. And then the chapter ends with Harry and Ron going to bed. And that's the chapter. That's the chapter. And it's... I love this chapter. This is so good. Yeah, I I... I loved this. This was this was everything or this is rather I guess like like everything that I like this is ideal Harry Potter. This is peak Harry Potter to me uh in the ways that like um the Midnight Duel uh and and Mirror of Erised were for me in the first book where it's just like here's a bunch of characters here is a bunch of very whimsical world building and just sort of like pulling the strings and then letting him go. Uh, and it's, I, I I don't know. There's, there's like not enough I can say about like how much personality this has and also how much um, like it's, it's more difficult in, in this uh, chapter to really compare it to anything since this is our first time, like extended amount of time with some of the other Weasleys, but the style that this chapter is written in is so much more like vibrant and the dialogue feels so much more natural than like a lot of the stuff I feel in the first book. Like this is just like very dialogue driven, very funny. All the characters are, are personable and like easily identifiable when they're speaking without it necessarily being tagged. Like there's a lot of conversations where like Fred and George and Harry and Ron and Arthur and Molly are all like, 
contributing to like bits and pieces of conversation and it all flows very nicely and like i never got confused it's just i i really like this stuff yeah i agree this chapter is so snappy i think uh that maybe this is our only real glimpse in the books of kind of home life for wizards other than when we go to grimold place later on which is a Mm -hmm. little bit of a different different kind of circumstance um i feel as if you know, I'm starting to come around to this uh, start with Chamber of Secrets way of uh-huh. thinking, um, <laughs> because I and I understand that this book is a little bit un like less burdened by the Sorcerer Stone task of uh, ex- like explaining that Harry is a wizard to Harry and also like explaining his backstory with Voldemort, because uh, mm-hmm. this one just really lets us sit with the Weasleys in their house and uh, the the kinds of things that wizards do. And it just, it works really well and it flows really nicely. Um, The gnome scene might be one of just my favorites so far. It's It's, so good. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, I, I kind of remembered it, but I didn't remember it being so charming i uh, see like all i remembered was that it existed and i was actually dreading it because i was like you know (laughs) especially after our conversations in the first book even about like the way like the beasts versus magical beings things were like okay is this going to be like another entry in just the like the weird uncomfortable like species like class war going on in the like in these books but it's it's so fucking weird. It doesn't really have that problem because it's like they're not fighting them really. They're just picking them <laughs> up and throwing them over the fence and then they all sneak back later anyway. Like there's this like very weird like like this is the Sisyphean nightmare of weeding like turned up to 11. <laughs> like it's it's very very weird. Yeah, again, this is, like, very rolled doll to me. Like, it's so surreal and so funny. Um, there's there's a little line about how Arthur doesn't, like, throw them hard enough because he kind of likes them. Yeah, because they're just, like, these funny little guys that say, Groff me when you, when you like, <laughs> grab them. Like, <laughs> like, just the image of them, just, like, this colony of, like, grumpy little assholes that you need to pull out out of the dirt and throw is really funny yeah and they're described as like little potato guys yeah they're yeah their head is exactly like a potato i think it says and they (laughs) have sharp teeth and they apparently just have like a thick accent and they like sneak back over the fence at the end of the day like it's it's really funny i i don't know like this is inspired in a really weird way and i i can't put my finger on like what exactly like I, I can't tell if this is even supposed to have a point or if it's just supposed to be like a very f- like weird and flavorful like activity for them to be doing but it it just works very well like like I guess like to to Ron and 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 Fred and George like this is just like boring chores and like to Harry this is just like the fucking weirdest thing possible like you're picking up these little men and twirling them around and throwing them like this is just normal garden work yeah and i think that uh it also comes back to and and this theme comes up uh like a couple times in this chapter um and and i think it's where where uh jk rowling is kind of the strongest in her world building with those like 
uh, kind of the wink and the nudge about like, uh, you know, oh, you think gnomes are our little Santas in the garden. Well, actually, they're these. And, and I think it's and that's really cute. And then like the other thing that comes up is uh, what Arthur Weasley does for a job, um, which is go after muggle uh, objects that have been jinxed or cursed in some way um, to to bother bother muggles um mm-hmm. and the kind of like wink wink nudge nudge part of that is the the line where it talks about how uh like wizards will jinx keys to get smaller and smaller and it's, <laughs> it's i mean it's a joke because it's like it's funny because you know how you're always losing your keys well maybe right. a wizard you know charmed it or, or yeah whatever. yeah it, it, the way this like builds like a uh, a like like explanations for very mundane things i i like that and also like not only that like builds political structures around it is really funny like they have they have people whose job it is to to prevent this stuff and go after go after these like very mundane uh everyday annoyances like that's just very it, it, this is just so charming and, and clever like i think arthur might be my mvp like this chapter he's like just him his his job his weird obsession with muggle stuff like this is i think stuff that will return later in much worse ways because this is here this works uh as like an establishing uh like look into like how the wizard and muggle worlds interact um get the feeling this is going to make less sense the more that we realize that like wizards live like in muggle cities and stuff and it's like well how do you not know like what a car does and and stuff you know but like for now this is great like like as as is this is really funny i i guess we can talk we can talk a little bit about the the ministry raids in the next chapter because it kind of yeah kind of it's a bigger deal there i think yeah um I, I do find I do find it interesting that um that the the description and kind of like subtext of um Arthur's job is that he works with like one other person uh to keep like wizard objects out of the hands of muggles but that he also apparently writes the laws in such a way that he is able <laughs> to keep those things or work on them right because he because he's just like a big muggle nerd right like and so he has this job where he is able like the like sort of gray and moral gray area they're operating in is really funny like he just loves this stuff so much he can't he can't like write the laws properly like is a really cute weird (laughs) uh character flaw um the fact that like it's specifically the way that that he 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 wrote the law so that he could own a car and enchant it to fly as long as he wasn't intending to is the way that it's explained right Uh which is yeah which is very funny yeah and i and i think like some of this that uh did not resonate with me as a kid and then does more now is uh like arthur and molly's relationship Mm -hmm. Uh, because they're very funny together um and and it's it's a little bit like you know naggy wife kind of stuff and it's know. very simpsonsy yes well, it it is that's a good way of describing it yeah um, like 
like the 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 worry wart nagging wife and the, like the kind of dullard husband but like it's just so well written i think that it I, like it works for me here yeah yeah i think so and it, it really the strength of this chapter is really just seeing um this like slice of life wizard family that we just mm-hmm. haven't haven't really had until now yeah it's 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 very I like wholesome is a weird way to way to put this, but like the 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 family dynamic or like the stuff about like I actually don't remember if this comes up or if it becomes a plot point later, but like is the implication that like Percy is just being a moody teen now too, like like because like he's always like in his room. There's a joke. There's a joke that I, I like. There's the a joke f- the, in here. The first of Rowling's like secret dirty jokes. Yeah, which I think is fantastic. But the the was Fred or George mentions that he can only polish a prefect badge so many times or whatever. Because uh-huh, like. he's shut up in his room. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, and probably went over my head when I first read this. Um, yeah, but it's, it's cute and it. Uh, I think like it just works really well. Like, yep, that's something a fourteen-year-old would say. Um, I believe that it is a plot thing, but only minorly. In that, I think that he has a girlfriend that he's writing to. Oh, right. Yes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but I like just stuff like that. Like, paints such a good like family dynamic picture. Uh, mm-hmm. Of like what this house is like, and also there, there's a really funny thing here that really resonates with me in that um, the whole experience of uh, of Molly being mad at Fred, George, and Ron, but like very nice and doting to Harry. That is an experience I can relate to like 100. Like, have you <laughs> like were you ever at like a friend's house or anything where like like the parents were mad at like you know your friend but like we're very happy to see you like i i've had that experience so many times <laughs> that's pretty funny i don't know if i've ever had that experience but i but i you know it's, yeah no, it's pretty I, funny it's a I've, cute I've, moment yeah i've been to friends houses where like you know the the parents have been very happy to see me and catch up with me and then like immediately switch gears and start berating you know my friend or whatever <laughs> like, like that's just a very common like middle school high school experience i remember like i related to that very strongly yeah um and, and you know and th- this is kind of uh and maybe i'm wrong but i feel like uh i feel like people talk a lot about um jk rowling's uh all caps yelling oh it's so good here uh and, and this is like the the instance where i i feel like it comes up the, like more than i remember it in the first book because vernon yells as they're escaping and mm-hmm. molly weasley's yelling is in all caps and then it switches to her like the regular text when she's talking to harry and mm-hmm. i think it's pretty cute i think it's cute and it it, it works nicely in tandem with like there's a lot of italicized uh stuff here too uh-huh. uh which like maybe my favorite single line in this whole chapter is the mrs weasley was marching across the yard scattering chickens and for a short pl- uh plump kind-faced woman it was remarkable how much she looked like a saber-toothed tiger ah <laughs> said fred like just the like ah in italics ah. is so perfect um I don't know. There, it has a dynamism to it that I really appreciate. Like, it, it's like good comic book dialogue, right? Like, 
Like yeah. the important the important words are bolded. The the like the sneaky words are italicized. Like I don't know. It 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 works here. I think it gives it a lot of bold character. Yeah, I think I kind of remember the, some of these stylistic choices becoming more tiresome when Molly Weasley is saying like saying things like "That's my daughter, you bitch." But for now, <laughs> I I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and there's like not enough I can say about this really. Like, there's just so much. Like, like I don't know, like the clock that that's like not really a clock, and the the all the stuff. Oh, we should we should uh, briefly get into the introduction of Gilderoy Lockhart in book form here. Oh uh, yeah, because this is the introduction. Like all the Gilderoy Lockhart stuff is set up really well here. Uh, but the the like the like. I guess misdirection uh, here is really cute with the way that like Ron is theorizing that the new defense against the dark arts teacher has got to be a woman because his mom is obsessed with Gilderoy uh-huh. Lockhart. This yep. is very funny. Uh, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, and that's all like kind of tucked into this uh, descriptive scene where it goes over like the little housekeeping books she has and the clock, like you mentioned, and the radio that's playing the Celestina Warbeck song. And oh, that's this is our first uh, appearance of Celestina Warbeck, who becomes like kind of a like a major minor character later on in the Fantastic Beast series. I don't know about that one. Yeah, and you can go see her at um at the theme park if you want. You can get a very awkward up up close uh in real life performance with her um it's at, at the park yeah that, from what i can tell um from what we've seen of the park it uh appears to be mostly very awkward up close live performances yeah. <laughs> i can't wait we're we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna film it all it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic but yes yeah. um there's uh and I, I, I again like like i i do like jokes aside i do love that this is where we get like names of musical artists and names of books and like just like here's the mundane for wizards stuff that that i crave you know like like just seeing what normal life is for normal people in this like very weird to harry world yeah uh you know molly weasley does the dishes by magic in the sink and um but they're it's contrasted with them being like that normal family stuff and i yeah, I just, I don't think I, there was, I loved every moment of this chapter, I guess. Yeah, I have, I have, like, no complaints, I don't think. I'm just, like, going through my notes again, like, was there something that I didn't really put? Nope, it's just, like, this is just wall-to-wall, like, very good, very funny, very, just, like, very character-driven stuff. And, like, this is, this is where... Harry Potter really shines like as a series. I'm like this is this is uh, in tandem with the next chapter. I'm almost worried that like this is we have we have hit the peak, you know? Like this is like this is it. This is the stuff we like in its most distilled form, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if when we do our book club for the end of this book, we're going to have the same favorite chapters maybe cuz it yeah. might be these ones. Um Yeah. We're also on Ginny Watch. So there was oh, a little Ginny bit of Ginny Watch. stuff. We were- there was some Ginny stuff in this chapter i think it's all really cute um it's either fred or george that says you know she'll be wanting your autograph harry um because she you know i think it's like part 
maybe has a crush on him, but also just like he's a, he's a celebrity. Yeah. Um, the I think my favorite Ginny moment here is her like banging her head on the table when he like comes downstairs or whatever, and him just pretending not to notice, uh-huh. like just not not addressing this at all. Yeah, and the the kind of like implications that she like whenever he walks in, she like runs away or yeah he he hasn't heard her speak like she gets really nervous and i i think that stuff is pretty cute this is really cute and i just i'm trying my best not to think about how in seven in book years they will be married like that's just (laughs) a little weird um but here it is very very cute i think yes Shall we move on to the next chapter? We went through that one pretty fast, but um We went through that one pretty fast. I I, I guess like the, the main thing to set up here is that like the, the thread here is that uh they get their school list, right? And Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh no, but is that I next think that's one? the yeah, that's they the, do oh, at the beginning, beginning of the next, next chapter. Okay. So okay, no, no. So this was all just Oh no, the, okay, Gilderoy Lockhart is just introduced in the in the housekeeping books. Yeah. So Yeah. Let's let's move on. Yes. Sure. So uh, we're at chapter four, which is called at Flourish and Blots. And I'll go over this one real quick, too. Um, it starts at the Weasley family breakfast and the Weasleys and Harry, they receive their owls that has their school supply list. Um, and there's like a little moment where uh, they realize that for Defense Against the Dark Arts, they have to buy all of Gilderoy Lockhart's books. Um mm-hmm. And and the Weasleys, you know, have their their kind of uh, money anxiety moment. Um, there's a cute little scene where the kids play Quidditch and uh, kind of hang out outside. Um, and then the next morning, they plan their trip to Diagon Alley. Um, there's like a little introduction of flu powder. Um, but unfortunately, Harry accidentally uh, doesn't say Diagon Alley when he gets in the in the flu and and ends up in Nocturne Alley, um, specifically in Borgen and Burke's, uh, and he hides in a cabinet while Lucius Malfoy and Draco Malfoy arrive, and Lucius Malfoy is trying to sell some some illegal objects uh, because he's worried about the ministry raids, and Harry is overhearing all of this from the cabinet. Um, he leaves Borgen and Burke's after they leave. Uh, luckily, he runs into Hagrid, who leads him back to Diagon Alley, where he reunites with the Weasleys. Um, we get another cute little scene where th- the kids are kind of shopping, getting ice cream, uh, before they go over to the bookstore, uh, where they see that Lockhart is doing a book signing. Um, so the, the shop is real crowded. Lockhart sees Harry and decides it's a good time uh, for a little... little um, publicity and they take pictures together um and lockhart makes his grand announcement that he will be the defense against the dark arts teacher at hogwarts this year um after all of that arthur and lucius get into a fist fight in the bookstore (laughs) um and that is pretty much the end of the chapter yeah uh this is like uh, again like what you were saying it previously about how like you're beginning to come around to the like the skip the first book school of thought this is like <laughs> this is like the the completely remastered way better version of the diagonally chapter from the first book uh-huh uh yeah uh, com- pretty much completely um and 
And I and I do want to give book one credit because, you know, yeah. part of this is just um, the kids are much more able to be kids because it's not Harry being led around by Hagrid who's explaining the wizarding world to Harry and like what happened to his parents and all of that. Um, like my right. favorite like, part like, of this is just them like hanging out as kids and having ice cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like we couldn't have actually got here without the first book, but it is just uh, you know it is interesting to see just how different and how much I guess like more confident this feels. Because um, mm-hmm. like I I think I remember from our like first diagonally discussion like that was like the first real drag in the first book was it was really just haggard like walking around like pointing at things and like telling him the important exposition you know and like here this feels much more like a visit to a fun place and um like for these characters um i do real quick the the first paragraph of this chapter is the uh the like character introduction of the ghoul in the attic and at the burrow which i love oh yes Um, uh who he howls and drops pipes whenever he feels things are getting too quiet which is <laughs> just like a really good like I, and the, like they don't explain it they don't say like why they have a ghoul or like why they can't get rid of it or whatever it's just there and i i, I like that a lot yeah um uh there are some great pictures of uh ghouls online if any anyone wants to to go to the and, harry potter wiki and look up ghouls and and apparently a hogwarts class no, there's School? not. I, okay, I'm drawing my a line in the sand here because I'm sick of like weird movie. Pro- you know, it's all gone. There's no owl bombing squad. There's no ghoul studies class. There's no. There's no like. There's no house elf training school in New York. Like, I, I'm sorry. This must end. We're getting rid of all the background background objects. Yeah, yes. Like they always, they always like, it just feels like someone thought they were being clever and like created a thing that like had way more implications than they realized. But like the fact that they just like threw in a ghoul studies class onto the Marauder's Map toy or whatever is really funny to me. It's like some kind of like movie prop replica. And then there's a, there's a whole page on the wiki where it's like ghoul studies class. Ghoul studies class is offered at Hogwarts because it appeared on this prop. And it's like, no, I'd re- I reject this. If it, like, if maybe like specialized defense against the dark arts students like study ghouls maybe they keep a ghoul in that classroom and that's where you go to study the ghoul but there's no ghoul studies class this is not an elective what are you studying about what is there about ghouls to study (laughs) it's a ghoul uh i don't know like i know that the wizards are sort of like a little backwards and like you know in science or whatever but like i don't know if there's really much you need to like yep that's a ghoul (laughs) like identifying a ghoul uh seems pretty pretty easy although um i did find out that uh i did find out who the professor of the ghoul studies class is would you you like to know yes uh it's it's ghoul deroy lockhart (laughs) 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 oof ouch (laughs) yeah um <laughs> uh shall we move on to the actual Gilderoy Lockhart book list, which is fantastic? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could do that. <laughs> Canceling the podcast after that pun. 
Yeah, it's over. <laughs> we ruined it. <laughs> Fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. I did not take down the book list. Okay. Okay. Second year students will require The Standard Book of Spells, Grade 2 by Miranda Goshawk, Break with a Banshee by Gilderoy Lockhart, Gadding with Ghouls by Gilderoy Lockhart, Holidays with Hags by Gilderoy Lockhart, Travels with Trolls by Gilderoy Lockhart, Voyages with Vampires by Gilderoy Lockhart, Wanderings with Werewolves by Gilderoy Lockhart, and Year with the Yeti by Gilderoy Lockhart. Which of these would you want to read? Uh, Voyages with Vampires, probably. Mm. Like, that sounds cool. That sounds like an adventure. Like, Year with a Yeti, like, that sounds like a long read. Um, yeah. Gadding with Ghouls, I'm already taking the Ghoul Studies elective, so I don't, you know. There's no ghoul studies elective. <laughs> what about you? Which one would you pick? I think you're with the Yeti. Yeah. Really? It sounds Just... exciting. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's he's probably like hanging written out in the mountains. Like, it's probably written in like diary format. Oh, that's true. Never never like... mind. I hate that. I hate stuff written in diary format. <laughs> I take it back. I'll read the vampire one too. Hell yeah. Um. Yeah, these are good. They, they have to get all Lockhart's books, which... I, I, Lockhart is such a good, like, even before we meet him later in this chapter, like, you get a really good sense of his character and, like, what brand of charlatan he is, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I, like, I, I love the lead up to, to meeting him. It was just these snippets from, like, him in the, like, the picture of him in the, in the housekeeping book. And then, like all these books being assigned on the reading list like you you get like a picture is being painted without him actually being there yet and it's it's very funny yeah i think that's like a throwaway line in this chapter that i really appreciated because um a lot of my memory of hermione having a crush on him comes from this like movie scene where she's kind of fawning over him with like a gaggle of girls in class. Um, mm. What I did like about this is that her admiration seems to come from an on it, like a belief that he wrote these books and that that's really impressive. And that's way more characterful about Hermione to me than, uh, yeah, than it, it, it seems no, like him just movie. being like a handsome guy that she likes. Yeah. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, um, that that would be something it that makes, I think it, it, would say. it dials it dials the women be shopping aspect down a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. There's there's plenty of women be shopping in this chapter, so. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, the stuff about like I don't know if this is really a flaw with the chapter or the writing so much, but like every time that they're talking about how expensive this is going to be and how like tight their money <sighs> is, I'm like, Harry. You're rich. Offer like at least offer like maybe they'll refuse. Like that'd be fine and in character, but like him not even offering or like it crossing his mind is so awkward. Yeah, I th I will say like my small defense of this is that I do think it would be pretty weird to have a twelve year old offer to pay for school yeah. supplies like, to I'm, a family. I'm, I don't know like, if it. I don't know if I would have necessarily liked it if he actually did buy everyone the books, but like that 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 conversation not happening at all or like even like an internal thought happening at all is very weird. Yeah, his internal thoughts are like, oh, this is awkward. And those are also my internal thoughts 
Because mm-hmm. when I read that, I'm like, I feel a little awkward about this. Um, the, the part that really gets me, because there are kind of two major scenes, and they're the ones where they're all reading the book lists, and George says to um, Molly and Arthur, like, these are going to be expensive. Lockhart's books are expensive. And, and Molly Weasley says, like, um, you know, we'll manage, but she looks worried. And then the other one is when they go to the bank. I don't know why they have to go to each other's vaults. I hate that. Um, this seems like a real breach of, like, privacy, honestly. Yeah, and I, and I understand that, like, part of that is, like, the, the Weasleys are chaperoning Harry around. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think that is weird, but we get a very, like, vivid scene of Molly putting literally all their money into a bag and they only have silver sickles right in like one galleon maybe or maybe not at all um i think it just says i think it just says only sickles like i I don't think they even have any galleons um and then and then harry you know goes to his vault and is really embarrassed and he's and i just have this like comical image of him just shoveling gold into a bag like yeah it's really it like says that he's like trying to block the view or whatever like as he's doing it it's like he he's got like a vault full of gold galleons like oh it's so awkward yeah and i don't know if this thought would occur to a 12 year old i'm also a little bit confused about how much time has gone by i i legitimately can't tell if harry's been at the weasleys for two days or two months (laughs) right like yeah the time i feel like it's gotta be at least a couple weeks i i think because it's yeah, we get a few like days passing, but I don't know if this is lo- like when when they get their school supplies. It's been a day. I d- I don't know if it's several days until they do- go to Diagon Alley. But um, and I'm not necessarily even saying that this would occur to a twelve year old, but mm-hmm. um, to, to be like like you know, oh, you you guys like fed me and let me stay with you for a summer or a few weeks or whatever like can i pay you back and and i don't i don't know i, I this stuff is all really awkward and, and i'm not even saying it's like out of character for harry not to offer or anything like that but uh, like the maybe, deliberate think, inclusion is just I, yeah I and maybe maybe i'm my view of this is just being colored by the bullshit she says in that other documentary we watched where she's talking about how like her number one rule is you should never ask for money or whatever like m- that might just be like tainting my view of the scene i'm just thinking like this scene, this feels like some some prime jk rowling bullshit shining through but i don't know yeah it kind of um it also changes kind of my perception of harry as being super rich only in that when i read it in the first book I kind of got the feeling that it was not so much we wanted to get the idea that Harry is a rich guy as much as a, uh, like a shortcut, the I don't want Harry to have to worry about money in the future. Mm -hmm. Like, because that's a pain in the ass to deal with, right? Like, as an author, like, that's, if that's not central to your story or not, like, it's just the kind of hand wave that away. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to take that with all of this, I yes, suppose. Yes, definitely. Um, and I also don't think that it's necessary to, like, have a family who is, like, struggling to make ends meet, like, make sense without having it, like, a rich guy to contrast that to. Mm-hmm. 
yeah it's just it's sort of like an awkward confluence of things that like maybe aren't even intentional but it just becomes weird like altogether you know yeah yeah i don't Um, know i i'm i don't know really how to feel about this yeah i think that's like my one complaint or maybe not even a complaint it's just like my one like ah thing about this chapter because the rest of it i think much like the last chapter is just all gold no pun intended Mm -hmm. (laughs) um uh i love hermione hermione tells so many more jokes in the book than the movies like Uh her letter is so good the uh perhaps it would be better if you used a different owl because i think another delivery might finish yours off like is really good poor errol poor errol i love errol yeah Uh, Um, yeah i think i think errol lives through the whole the whole books unlike another owl we know unlike another owl that we're still waiting for an apology for joan (laughs) joanne jakes yeah uh (laughs) how about borgen and burks borgen and burks yes let's 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 so so he takes the flu powder he 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 gets off on the wrong exit and then we get to borgen and burks which like one i think this is just a really cool scene and like like setting uh like this this shop of like little shop of horrors of, of just like weird dark magic stuff um this has my, some of my favorite like you know how in the first book a thing that we were saying a lot was that the the characters you kind of forget their kids sometimes mm-hmm. um and like i think that still holds true in this book so far for most of the characters except draco here is such a child like uh-huh. <laughs> like is he's just like wandering around the shop touching stuff and like Lucius has to keep telling him to like stop and he keeps on asking for things like 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 there's a real sense of like oh yeah Malfoy's like 12 here yeah yeah definitely um he Lucius this is our first introduction to Lucius Malfoy right yes what did you think of him uh, I love him in, I mean, it, it, love is a strong word. I, I love to hate him. I, I think in ignoring the fact that the, the like real world parallels are going to get a lot more uncomfortable, the more serious these books get the stuff about him. Like there, it's specifically the, the line where he, you know, where he's, he's showing Borgen, like the, the list of stuff that he wants to sell because he's worried about the, the ministry raids the, the he says like uh you know in a certain context uh it might seem if these were <laughs> and like you don't you don't get the whole line like it's just harry catching a snippet of it but like it might seem um like i love that so much that because that's like such a common excuse for like that kind of bullshit like i can just see like lucius malfoy is like not that far removed from the guy who's like just ordered like a like a third reich flag from amazon or something and it's like ex- <laughs> like explaining to like you know his his like roommate or whatever it's like no I'm, I, like i'm just a history nerd it might seem like it's weird to have a nazi flag hanging behind my webcam but really <laughs> like 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 it's so perfect yeah this whole this whole thing um especially i think that like cutting off uh, like you said, the things that Lucius Malfoy is saying, like Harry's not getting the full context, but it, um, it's just, uh, it really is good that they don't tell us and kind of let us imagine what it might be in the context of the other things that are in the shop. Um, like, uh, and all the things that are in the shop are really, like, 
cute as far as like dark magic artifacts go there's like a hand of of glory the hand of glory the like string of pearls that has strangled like seven people or whatever um there's like a blood-stained pack of cards and like evil looking masks and uh it just really leaves it to you to kind of fill in the blanks uh Mm -hmm. in a way that i really like yeah i think the closest we get is like like malfoy does or lucius does mention that like some of the things he has are poisons or whatever but like you Uh don't like we don't get like an itemized list of like every weird thing that he has it's it's kind of fun to like imagine what like awful like like dark lord paraphernalia he has you know Uh um uh yeah i don't know like like this in the same way that like a lot of the other more whimsical stuff like touches on really dark stuff you know but like manages to keep it like context appropriate and like tone appropriate like this 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 stuff works for me like i, I don't know it's very funny to see him a the fact like, like just the concept of like here's this like evil aristocrat coming to like sell his like dark lord artifacts because he's worried the cops are gonna come and notice that he's like an evil wizard is really funny <laughs> um like and also at the same time like while this is happening his son is walking around the store pointing at other dark artifacts that he wants like <laughs> he, he wants the hand of glory he wants the hand of glory he wants the the evil pearls um but like lucius already has the enchanted vhs player uh <laughs> and the copy of point break where it makes muggles die if they watch it backwards or whatever but it's <laughs> it's it's yeah it, this is this is a very good first introduction to like the dark side quote unquote of like the the wizarding world because we never really got that in the first one aside from the blood drinking ritual of satan um oh yes yes but but like we 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 never really saw like what dark magic was uh yeah like, coral doesn't it... do any spells we don't get like a defense against the dark arts class even no i don't think um all we see Voldemort do is stand in front of a mirror. So yeah, and there's also like a little bit of like other descriptions as Harry leaves the store, like of a shop selling poisonous candles and like a uh, witch trying to sell him what looks like fingernails. Um, mm-hmm. well, and and um, there's the other thing that I like here too. The other part that gives us some nuance is that like not every like everything here is weird and creepy. Not everything here is necessarily like evil at least in terms of like voldemort evil because hagrid is here getting some stuff and like you know obviously hagrid is not a death eater he's not evil but he he's clearly up to something shady uh and like (laughs) you know like i like that that part of it too like this is some sort of black market gray market part of uh, part of the wizarding world that like like he just him saying it's like he's buying slug pellets or whatever it's like that's such bullshit like what is haggard up to would you would you say that that nocturne alley is kind of like the dark web (laughs) yes yes it's exactly like the dark dark web and you have to use bitcoin that was a that was a reddit post by the way that that was not a that was not a shrieking shack original i can't take credit for that no uh, a big secret that that we're gonna let everyone in on is that uh, all of our jokes are things we saw on Reddit and have stolen. <laughs> oh no! 
that's a that's a horrible we, peek behind the curtain. We we are the ass clocks with no redeeming characteristics. Well, I yeah, we we already knew that. Um, <laughs> I I do have uh, like one uh little like thing to say about Borgen Burks, which is uh, what I like to do is I read these books and and look at the clues that are laid laid out before us. Um, mm. uh, J.K. Rowling has done it again, and what she has <laughs> done is uh, Harry's hiding in the vanishing cabinet. I don't oh, so okay. I actually uh, didn't pick up on that. Yeah, he's hiding in the vanishing cabinet, which for those that don't remember is the so Draco finds and fixes the other vanishing cabinet. Uh, which makes it a teleporting cabinet, and that is the 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 way that the Death Eaters get to Hogwarts in Book Six. Okay. So, it's not that's actually a little a, clue. Do they do they actually say it's a vanishing cabinet in this part? I, I don't I believe so. That it's just a cabinet. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's, that's some good yeah. some good JK watch to hold on to. Yeah. Just we a should. Clue. We should. We should get to Gilderoy. It's it's time to talk about our boy it is he's good he's very good it's very funny uh it's one of so first of all it is such a um like pitch perfect like just celebrity character thing and it's like it's not particularly like original or biting but it's just like very well done and funny um he like not not to go for two simpsons references on on this podcast but like he he is just the monorail guy um it 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 is uh like so transparent and obvious to the audience that this guy is like making all this shit up but like in universe everyone is hoodwinked and it works just because like he has that like snake charmer vibe i guess It, it it it's it's very fun yeah, I, th- I think this is a really fun and and funny scene. Um, he, you know, spots Harry in the crowd and is like, "This is this is my moment for you know this is a photo opportunity." And he and he makes his kind of grand announcement that he's going to be teaching at Hogwarts, um, as if this is newsworthy, which is very mm-hmm. funny. Um, and he gives he gives Harry. And he's there. He's there to do a sighting of his autobiography. By the way, mm-hmm. like it's not. It's not just magical like me. random books. But he's yeah, magical me. Um, that that everyone is is excited about. Um, I, I like him a lot. Uh, and it's like like it is it is it it could be so irritating. Like because like again like it is pretty transparent like it's not it's not going to be a twist when this guy turns out to be full of shit you know um <laughs> like it's pretty obvious from from the first moment here but like i don't know she just goes for it so hard here uh with with the like the like i mean we even get the like the joke with him leaning in during the photo op whispering to harry about how like how big the, how this is going to land him on the front page and stuff like like it's really not subtle at all um uh one of our uh friends of the show did point out that that uh maybe jk uh uh was so good at writing this because this she's basically writing her future at this point um <laughs> that, that was very oh, funny yeah, yeah um, i was thinking about that while i was reading it that's mm-hmm. a very funny observation yeah um but yeah like like the 
I don't know. I, again, we're really gushing over these chapters, but I just think it's so good. And like Gilderoy is such a fun character. Um, the fact that he's played by Kenneth Branagh in the movie has me really excited to revisit that movie now. Um, Cause I think that's such like inspired casting for that. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about him or should we move on to the fist fight? I guess we can move on to the fist fight. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about Gilderoy as, mm-hmm. as the, as the book goes on. Um, so Arthur and Lucius get in a fight uh, because um, uh, like Lucius is basically insulting him and mm-hmm. calling him poor and pointing out that um, Ginny is buying secondhand secondhand books and is just being a real asshole, a real ass clock. He's being a, yes, he's being a real ass clock. Um, and there's and there's kind of that uh, like the the tension between them. It's kind of somewhat mirrors like the tension between like Draco and Ron, but in a much more adult way, because uh, we have kind of the background information that like Arthur is try like really would like to get Lucius arrested for his dark artifacts. And, mm-hmm. and Lucius really thinks that, that the Weasleys are a, you know, disgrace to, to, like pure bloods or or whatever which which he says to arthur and i think arthur throws the first punch in the bookstore um i i think this is a cute scene like it's a good piece of um i mean like this is setting up like like we're 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 not far off from like the introduction of mud blood right and like the yeah um like this is a good way like much like the um the first chapter we read this week was with the 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 uh the muggle baiting stuff like this is a good way to establish like the political climate here and like like that established like what it's like between wizards and muggles and like this is like like some internal like wizards versus wizards like what is the what is the political strife here and like like it's it works really well and like you know um like there's there is a sort of bleak comedy to it in the fact that like these two grown ass men are just like fighting in a bookstore um <laughs> uh but like it's a i don't know like like it, it's a it's a it's getting at some serious stuff like just under the surface but it's just sort of like masking it with like the, the like inherent absurdity of that image i think uh, yeah and, and it all and the imagery is like it's so good because it's like you're you're just picturing this bookstore that is just packed with people because they're all there for the book signing. There's a cameraman that's like running around, like pushing mm-hmm. people over, and he's got like clouds of purple smoke that are coming out of his camera. Um, this is, I think that there's like a lot of um, political subtext in this in this these couple chapters uh, related to Arthur Weasley's like the raids. Uh, the ministry raids that are being conducted and and Lucius Malfoy having all these dark artifacts from the end of like Voldemort's first uh, like time in power or his first the first conflict with Voldemort that I didn't pick up on as a kid Uh, Mm -hmm. but I also think that all this stuff works really well when it's not explicit yes I think that's the key like just like the scene in Borgen and Burks the fact that like you can make the connection but the book isn't explicitly making the connection is what makes it work. Um, yes. And later it gets much heavier and much 
more on the nose, I think. And, like, that's where it starts to fall apart, I think. Yeah. And, and yeah, I I think that's true. I do think that there's just a lot of stuff here that I missed as a kid. Um, totally. Or, I didn't remember any of this in. stuff. Yeah, I didn't I didn't remember any. Like, I, I vaguely remembered, like, the Burrow stuff. I did not remember any of the Flourish and Blots or Borgenberg stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, because I think that when you read it as a kid, it's much more like, oh, this is what bad, bad wizards do, and they go and buy their, the scary stuff, and the, the good wizards, you know, <laughs> are are poor and can't buy all their books. Yeah. Now, I forget, is it this scene, because I, I couldn't explicitly find a line that hinted at it, but it, like, is this where Lucius gives Ginny the diary? Yes, because... He picks up, so she's carrying all her books around in the cauldron, right? Uh, mm-hmm. He picks up the, like, grossest book that's in there, like, gross secondhand, like, it's all beat up. And he's like, this is, you know, what, and and the, the implications that he slips the diary in okay. when he, when he throws so, it back in. Right, yeah, because he has the, yeah, the copy of, take your book to the, that's, yeah. okay. Oh, it's actually, okay, it's a dialogue line, I think. He was still holding Ginny's old transfiguration book he thrust at her his eyes glittering with malice here girl take your book yeah i look because like i just couldn't find like a specific point but i was like is this is that where that happens but yeah so that, that okay that makes sense yeah that's that's the big the big moment um and also uh the during all of this aside from from arthur and lucius's fight um like Ginny has her first dialogue line um let me find it real quick um because uh first of all draco says famous harry potter can't even go into a bookshop without making the front page which is that supposed to be an insult yeah is that a burn really like oh um, i like i don't know what that burn even is like yep you got me malfoy um <laughs> i guess draco's insults aren't really up to up to his his dad's standards but um no. but jenny steps in and says leave him alone he didn't want all that so that's her first line for jenny watch wee woo, wee woo. i have that's no, nothing really to say about no, it nothing it was, else it to say fine. yeah it's cute it's fine um looking forward for like yeah we're, we're kind of on jenny watch here because i don't remember her having any agency or things to do as a character at all so yeah i mean she is like she stood up but, for him there. Uh, yeah. Uh, she does end up becoming kind of the villain of this book accidentally, but... Whoops. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. She nearly got all of the, you know, Mogulborn students killed, but what are you going to do, really? True. Um, and I think... I don't know if I have much more to say about this chapter. It was it was really very good. No, we've 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 talked about we've we've actually gone a long time on this stuff. Like it's 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 very good. Like this is this is Harry Potter at its best. And like now I'm both excited and also a little worried to keep reading because I'm like is 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 this is this the peak? Is this as good as it's gonna get? Is this everything I want uh, out of Harry Potter already gone? Um, but I'm excited to see, like, if... Because this this feels like such an underrated book, right? Like, people don't talk about Chamber of Secrets that much, I don't think. No, um... And, and to be fair, I don't... I can't say I remember it very well. Um, mm. I used to listen to the audiobooks a lot as a kid, and I think oftentimes when I would, like, restart them, I would honestly just skip right to number three. Um, I, yeah, I'm the same way. So... 
I mostly what I see people talk about in regards to this one um, is, is people like don't like it. They're like Chamber of Secrets is is like their least favorite. Um, although most of the stuff that I see about it is like related to kind of plot holes that I a little bit contest that are even plot holes. Things like why would Dumbledore even hire Gilderoy Lockhart? Um, so much so that even J.K. Rowling has had like a like a somewhat of a response to that, um, which I don't think that she needed to. Um, <laughs> I thought there's and, even a line. Isn't there a line? For some reason, I do remember a line, and maybe this is just from the movie, but like a line about how it's less that uh, Dumbledore wanted him for the job, and more that there was literally no one else who would take the job. Yeah, I think there is there is that line and it's also setting up that the job is cursed. Um, I think that J.K. Rowling also said something along the lines of how it's important, like like Dumbledore would have thought that um, like there are things to learn from a bad teacher also, Hmm. which I disagree. I I don't know if I agree with that. I prefer Um, I I much prefer the Gilderoy is the only one who would want it because he's an idiot like. Yeah, I mean, I think that's also, like, part of it. Um, yeah. I I think that, like, it seems like it's much more, like, the plot hole aspect of it seems much more of a criticism of Dumbledore's character, which doesn't seem like as much of a problem. Like, I, I you could say a lot about Dumbledore and, like, what he's supposed to be in this series. He's kind of like a paternal figure sometimes. He's uh, super strong and sure can protect Hogwarts, but I would never say, like... <laughs> That Dumbledore is a good school administrator. <laughs> right, like, yeah. Manages things real well. Um Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to to keep reading and, and like rediscover this book because I honestly like at this point I'm kind of fully like in the weeds here. I don't know what to expect from the rest of this. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I have some some scenes in the rest of the book that, that I remember just like I guess some highlight scenes, like the dueling club scene, might just be mm-hmm. like one of my favorites ever. Um, uh, but other than that, I, I don't know how how good it's going to be. These chapters are very promising, though. Yes. All right, we have exhausted our praise. I think uh, it is time for us to take a break, and then when we come back, I have a game for you. Looking forward to it. I guess the cat's out of the bag. Um, we are we are gamers. We like to game. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, cat's our out se- of the bag. <laughs> our secret is out. We like we like gaming. Um, you're gonna need to put on your game design cap now, mm. because what you are going to be doing um, is so. Reddit has been clamoring for a true Harry Potter game for mm. weeks now uh now that that uh, uh hogwarts mystery has disappointed them um i'm going to be throwing you uh events from the book that i want you to design levels around um and you are going to to give your ideas but you're gonna have to keep in mind that um you know as well as designing the perfect video game, you are also going to be working with a budget here. And I'm going to be taking the role 
of of the the reddit audience here and i'm <laughs> going to be to be rating your your decisions both uh both your your gameplay decisions uh and your um your concessions to to budget and 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 limitations uh uh with with these two buttons so if if you say something that i think the audience will like you will hear this Wicked. <laughs> uh, and if you if if I hear something that I think the audience is 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 not going to like, and then we'll make posts about, you will hear this. Bloody hell! <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um. So I I think we have we you know we, broadly here, you are going to be working within, of course, uh, uh the 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 framework that we all know that everyone wants, which is the. Uh, or or maybe not. Like, this is up to you. But like we all know this, that everyone wants like the Harry Potter Skyrim. That's the post that everyone everyone makes, oh, right? God. Like yes. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start throwing you some some events from the book, and I want you to start telling me what the perfect game is going to be. But also, how how are you gonna make it happen with your with your budget? Okay. <laughs> all right. So first of all, we're going with. The Forbidden Forest segment from Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, my my favorite chapter. Yeah, well, your favorite chapter. Well, my second chapter. favorite chapter after after the Norbert chapter. Right. Okay, so let's see. We've got we've got some book elements here to work with. There's um the the famous blood drinking scene. Um. Uh, that's all I remember. Um, Draco <laughs> is there. Neville is there. And it's a scary forest, and and there are centaurs. Um, okay. So, <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is the um, the Super Nintendo Lion King game, and there's a very weird uh, segment, and it's where like Simba is running away from the like the antelopes that are. Mm-hmm. gonna trample him to death and it um it fixates the camera in front of simba and you have to like run and jump over like rocks and things uh that are like off to the side and dodge the antelopes that are like running at you so i'm picturing like um a like front view camera uh where you have to like run forward and dodge through like trees and stuff and also make sure that Voldemort doesn't <laughs> catch you um but you're riding on on fur ends okay all right so so you're 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 proposing a like crash bandicoot yeah but, style. but, the, but the camera's facing facing <laughs> you so you can't see what what is in front of you okay um let me think about this i'm taking i'm taking some liberties because voldemort definitely doesn't chase harry and friends but i think that i think this is a a concession that we could make for the game okay (laughs) is is this a segment in an open world game oh i was thinking like like the level like this uh, um yeah yeah. but this needs to fit fit into your game okay listen because Skyrim, right? Yeah. So, um, so you're in Skyrim, and and a big part of Skyrim, and the thing that everyone just loves and clamors for is that you look and you're like, see that mountain? I can go there. Wait. Um, <laughs> exactly. So in this in this case, you can see the Forbidden Forest. Um, <laughs> and you can walk there and Wait. go in. However, Wait. as soon as you walk. <laughs> <laughs> 
as soon as you walk into the forbidden forest, it just snaps the camera. Okay, is this Harry Potter fans or is this you being bad that the camera is snapping to, to being in front of you as I you mean, have to run from run from Voldemort in there? I, I think this is both. I think I think I'm seeing the posts now. I'm being seen. DAE DAE wish the Forbidden Forest segment was still open world. The forest is just too damn big. It's, forest- it's got to be a dun- it's got to be a dungeon with a front facing camera. I'm sorry. <laughs> It, this is a budget concern. I can't yeah. make the whole forest. No, I'm. I see. I'm. I'm. I'm with you there. I'm, I'm with you there. But I. I think that's 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 gonna earn a bloody, bloody hell. hell. Ah, damn. All right. Um. Next. Uh. Let's see. Um. Diagon Alley in Chamber of Secrets. The segment we have just read. What. What would. What would your ideal. Uh. Gameplay experience there be. Hmm. Well, it's Skyrim, so you've spent uh, you know, half an hour walking there from Wicked. London, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh and luckily the diagonality uh you know part is you know, this is this is an open world, you can do whatever you want. Wicked. Uh this is the part where you either uh drop out of school to just live out your life as a shopkeeper in Diagon Alley. Wicked. Um or or you or you can continue your studies and and of course since this is skyrim and you can do everything you know once you graduate you can always come back to open a bookstore or whatever um (laughs) and i and i think that's my idea because that's what everyone wants to do is is you know own own their diagon alley shop yeah i think you nailed this one this is the you're proposing that this is like like after the tutorial part of of skyrim or whatever and like this is the part where it says okay now you can go do whatever you want it doesn't matter right because it's like this is the part where like like i assume that there is also like a fully fleshed out bioware story in this game um except (laughs) this is this is the part where you can just decide you just aren't gonna do the main quest line right this is Perfect. this is a yeah like I, I mean I think a lot of people had that experience where they played Skyrim and they walked away from it and were like wow I played that game for two hundred hours and never finished the main storyline yeah that yeah every me. every post is like is like does anyone else wish they would just make Harry Potter Skyrim and I think you've nailed nailed it exactly here is that that uh that they they're just gonna wander around Diagon Alley and and like knock stuff over and yeah. and that's great there you, there you go so that I'm gonna say Wicked. on that one <laughs> good okay I'm doing a little better yeah this is this is uh, okay we're gonna do another um another Chamber of Secrets one here uh-huh. um and I want you to tell me about the Basilisk boss fight oh shit oh, well there have to be at least three phases. Um, no, actually two. No, I'm, I'm changing my mind because this is a budgetary, this is a budgetary concern. Okay, um, but, right. but it's also, but listen, cause it's also extremely loyal. Um, because there okay. is, there is the, the part where the basilisk has eyes and then there's the post, the post, you know, ba- the basilisk has been, its eyes have been gouged out and you have to stab it with your sword. Um, and I'm sorry, but I, I'm just going to have to go back to the front facing camera where you're running away from the basilisk. <laughs> No, this, this is my favorite. This Bloody is my favorite hell. game. <laughs> Bloody hell! 
did you not enjoy that part in the Sorcerer's Stone <laughs> game Sorcerer's where, Stone where you have to run from oh, the troll? We're gonna, we're gonna get to that, yeah. Um, I guess you're right. There's precedent here, which I okay. guess is a form of loyalty. Uh, okay, fine. Uh, I'll let the camera, you know, let you see where you're going, but I have to say the draw distance is gonna be terrible because we're in a very dark chamber. Okay. Um, and so it's can, not gonna you know, run so well on consoles. Well, no. Um, okay. That's just a given. Um, so you have to like run through the like pipes and and not not look at the basilisk, right? Because that's the can whole you, point. Can you climb on it like Shadow of the Colossus or something? Like that's gonna be that's second phase. Okay. Um, because that that's that's the whole thing. So you have to run from it until there's probably like a little progress. No, this is what it is. You have to pick up feathers as you're running, and those are like foxes' feathers. And once you fill your like progress bar, Wait. and you <laughs> and you you've you've got you have all the feathers, then fox will show up and gouge the snake's eye out, and then you have to like shadow of the colossus style jump on its back and, and stab Wait. it through the head. Wait. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds like you nailed it there. A uh, lot of positive posts coming in on that one. Uh, oh, good. Pe- people sharing screenshots saying this is really cool. Uh, it's getting a it's getting looks like a nine point five from Gamespot. This is good. That's great. Okay, um, but now we're going to move on to a Prisoner of Azkaban level. Oh, a segment, I suppose. There's not really sure. levels because it is open world Skyrim GTA, uh, perfect video game. um uh how would you handle the time traveling buckbeak saving scene Mm, i'm trying to think of any video game time travel precedent um and for some reason i'm drawing a complete blank has there been a time travel game there's been a few um there's time shift there's uh there's like game i guess which isn't really time travel but there's like gunpoint where you you like align stuff up in real time and then execute it or excuse me you you like you you plan a bunch of stuff out and then it executes in real time once you hit the button Mm. um but uh but this is all you this is this is all uh this is your game design time to shine if something's never been done before maybe it's time to, to add some new features to this uh Open world Bioware GTA Skyrim Crash Bandicoot game that we have. Well, I think the great part about this is that it's a stealth scene, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to stealth to like back, like backtrack through where where you've been before, um, and avoid you from the past. Hmm. Right. Okay, so you're saying that this should be like the, the the stealth sequence from the Game Boy game. Well, I mean, the Game Boy game is a top top down, you know. Oh, you're you're thinking like full Metal Gear Solid stealth, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All you right. spend you spend most of most of the time like crouching and avoiding people's vision cones. Um, I'm sure Hermione has a has a helpful helpful like spell to 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 make it so you're harder to see um which you've probably you've better maxed out that skill tree in your in your Wait, hang on a second. sorry mm-hmm. just 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 to be clear here hermione's here too so this well, is yeah. a this is an escort mission oh it's Not an escort stealth <laughs> well here's a little twist here is that you're the one being escorted oh okay 
<laughs> oh, so it's like so it's like it's like one of those levels in Call of Duty where like everyone has to open doors for you. Yeah. Like, as you're running forward. Okay. Wicked. Yeah. Wicked is right. Um Yeah. <laughs> um and you have to, you know, there, there's probably an extended scene because you got to stealth through the pumpkin patch and it's probably, you know, their patrols of what could they be? Flesh eating slugs because, you know, Hagrid's got to get that flesh eating slug repellent because mm. they're just eating, eating all the cabbages. Um, so there's probably a big, big, huge garden maze before you can even get to get to get to Buckbeak to to set him free. OK. All right. All right. I'm seeing it. Um, it's a stealth sequence where you're avoiding yourself, uh, and it is an escort mission, but you are the one being escorted, so it's more like Call of Duty where you have to follow behind the character and you can't move forward until they open the door. Yeah. Does that sound good? Very very cinematic. I'm going to go with, you know, it's kind of, kind of tough with, with, uh, with heavily scripted missions, but I think you wait, pull- wait, hold on, hold on, hold oh, on. Oh, okay, okay. I've got one more thing. Renegade okay. option, kill Buckbeak. Oh, <laughs> now that's yeah, morality, player agency. morality system, player agency. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. People are really excited about this one. Uh, yeah. Lots of, <laughs> lots of, uh, people posting funny videos of them killing Buckbeak. So that's a different music. Um, uh people saying that they wish that the books had this level of uh gray morality it's this is great you mm-hmm, really nailed mm-hmm. you really nailed this one uh thank this you, is a mature you. game for the mature gamers oh yeah it's gory because you just oh, yeah. you chop his head off you know yeah all right uh moving on to our next one uh gobble to fire segment um uh-huh. you know we got the the triwizard tournament this is this should be a knockout segment but uh how are you going to handle the underwater level here Oh boy! This I'm just gonna take... say you're starting. You're starting at a at a at a deficit here because I gotta say underwater levels. Bloody hell! Yeah, uh, you know this is gonna be one of those ones where um, if y- if you have done all the dialogue and dialogue choices like Bioware style up to like the right um, skill, and if you've like maxed out your language um, skills. Uh, you get to just like walk into the water and there's going to be like a mer person there and um, you unlock a dialogue option that just is, is like skips the whole level. Like you just get to say, hey, bring me what I've lost and th- and they'll just do it for you. Mm. Um, but you probably but that means you've probably dumped all your skill points into language and like persuasion so you have almost no combat abilities and it's gonna be a hell of a time (laughs) to get there in the first place Um, right uh otherwise an easter egg yeah yeah Yeah. an easter egg of, of a sort um uh these this is probably for the game the discerning gamer that also opened up a shop in diagon alley um because they, you know, need those skills, those skills yeah. up. Um, let me just think of some of the the best water levels I've played. They all have like uh, mechanics where you lower and raise the water level. Um, oh, so you, you're you have to, like water temple. Like you have to put well every game that has like yeah. I don't know why I just get made this game a platformer, but um, probably the water level is right. Like mm. you have to you have to lower the water level to press the switch and um bloody hell yeah yeah it's <laughs> it's unfortunate but you know i i didn't write the the second task in there so yeah 
Yeah, uh, and so this you're sacrificing gameplay for loyalty here, which I can understand. Yeah, I'm not sure how how loyal draining the lake is. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> hmm. I, I literally, I'm trying to think of any like water sequence that's good uh and there's just no way to make this good there's, so i there, just figure there are none you're, you're like i said you're starting from a loser here because because like i feel like your your options for gameplay mechanics underwater are like breath timer the camera is reversed uh you swim very slowly and you keep forgetting which button makes you dive and which button makes you swim up um yeah, so, it's gonna know. it's gonna be absolute hell, and and the problem is I'm putting I'm just I'm just making a horrible you know, uh, like every bad water level trope is in here like ev- every single one. However, here's my concession: I'm gonna make the mer people sexy. Ooh, all right. Wicked. <laughs> all right. Wicked. All right, all right. We're yeah, we're yeah. You know, um, gotta get that. Um, earn that M rating. You know. Uh, oh yeah, we're getting. You know, the Buckbeak beheading. Uh, and like the sexy Murr people. This is definitely an M rated game. Wicked. All right, yeah. that makes up for it. That that yeah. makes up for the water level. Um, now we're gonna move on to to book five. Um, and how are we going to be handling? And now, correct me if I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong book, but it's time to get into some some less action based mechanics. And how are you going to handle uh, the the Cho Chang stuff in book five? Oh God! I, I mean, I know this is Skyrim, um, so you have to have the option to marry her, right? Like that's in there because it's all about player agency. And if you and and it's probably um, like. A combination of Skyrim where you marry someone and then they're just in your room, I guess. Um, but also uh, like a little bit of the like Bioware uh, conversation trees where like you accidentally romance someone like that always happens. <laughs> that always happens to me like in Bioware games like, well, I like I didn't mean to romance the elf girl, but I guess that's what's happening. Um, <laughs> so there's probably a little bit of that. And I think a lot of players are going to accidentally marry Cho Chang. Um, <laughs> um because uh, i mean that's you know there there are the kinds of gamers that like you can't like pick the mean option because you like mm. feel bad so it's like cho chang like tries to marry and you're just like oh i don't want to turn her down so i guess in this playthrough i'll marry her but um Bloody hell. yeah it's it's uh it's too bad but it's something that i'm willing to put in for for player agency so um so yeah i'm imagining just a like you're at the like tea shop in hogsmeade and the the dialogue tree the bioware style dialogue tree pops up uh but on the like radial menu it's like your option is like either to say like like Cho, you're so so beautiful and and wonderful and i want to marry you and then the mean one is like you know you should cho you should die wicked yeah um now now are there other uh romance options or are we saying 100% loyal here um no you can marry anyone wicked wicked yeah, yeah. gamer the gamers love that i, I think that uh. there will be just like some characters that are like left out but they they're going to be like uh just like 
completely random. Like, it's like, sorry, you can't marry Hannah Abbott. And it's like, why? It's like, well, you <laughs> know, didn't write enough dialogue we just for, didn't yeah. write enough dialogue for that. Um, but, but otherwise, yeah, you can, you can marry anyone. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give that a wicked. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Book six. Oh, my memory, my memory is going to be a little rough for these. All right. Well, don't worry. This is a part that we all remember from book six and love. Yeah. Uh, how? Because, you know, this is a big open world game. Like the world that it's set in is going to be very detailed. But how are you going to handle the flashbacks? Oh, how am I going to handle reading the flashbacks? Huh? <laughs> Good question. Um, This really throws a wrench in the whole like if you see it, you can walk to it thing, which is extremely necessary for this game. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, taking out some player agency. Bloody hell! Yeah, that, that's that's going to be rough because um, are they going to be like scripted on rail sequences where you're playing as Voldemort? Oh, like a like a slow walk segment, like. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's a slow walk. It's very cinematic. Um, Wicked. Yep, it's it's just gonna be like an on rails dialogue. Um I I feel like I don't know how I'm gonna work this in, but I'm kind of remembering the beginning of um that dumbass Star Wars game, uh The Force Unleashed. Um oh, yeah. where you play as like Darth Vader or whatever and you just like explode. You're like super overpowered. Yeah, you like explode Wookiees and stuff Wicked. and like throw like hundreds Wicked. of them just like off of bridges. Um, there has to be like a Voldemort scene, like like an on rails. You're just like overpowered Voldemort. You're just like walking killing, forward, like doing massacring yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that that's. So, uh, so you're just going to take it's just going to be the no Russian part from Call of Duty. And, and <laughs> instead of an instead of an airport shooting, you're just uh, Voldemort walking through like a muggle village. This is great. I'm yeah. I'm giving I'm giving this an actual unironic wicked here. Thank you. Uh, perfect perfect okay you've nailed that one which i think might have been was going to be the toughest except now okay you have this huge game um you know open world uh, uh you got skyrim you got dragon age we got shadow of the colossus we got mm -hmm. crash bandicoot we've got oh, yeah. underwater levels we've got romance we've got uh cool cinematic uh walk forward and blow things up um <laughs> um but now it's all it's all into this and i want i want a full breakdown of how you are going to handle the battle of hogwarts oh god um you know this is a this is a scene that really has to be handled with sensitivity because it apparently means a lot to people um as a maybe real event that happened um I let's see. I'm trying to set the stage. It's it's May May second, and um, I don't remember how or why the Battle of Hogwarts happened. So I'm gonna have to take some. Well, liberties so I guess here. I guess we should re rewind real quick here and just say that, like, to be clear, um, the reason I'm doing Battle of Hogwarts here is because the rest of Deathly Hallows is literally a video game because they just walk around trying to find the magical items. 
And we, in this big open world game, we know we got that shit down. So Battle of Hogwarts is, is your is your place to shine here. Yeah. So so I guess um, at that with that in mind, um, this is the part uh, just to set the stage. You know, I'm assuming they're still in the tent, although I can't really remember for sure. So. Uh, you've collected all the things that you need to collect and you and you go you walk your player character to the the like opening of the tent and then a dialogue box pops up and it says like are you sure you have everything you can't go back after you you know click through this um and then you you know you click through it you go in the tent and Harry, and, Harry, and Harry goes to sleep um and then there's a little cut scene where he wakes up and he like tears the his like tear away calendar that he has in his tent and it's like may 2nd um <laughs> and, and i i don't know he gets a you know a patronus comes to him uh and says that, that there's a battle at hogwarts um cuz that's all i i don't remember how it starts but i assume that's how so uh you know, Harry, Harry runs or apparates or flies to Hogwarts, uh, and there's just this fucking sweet cutscene of the Death Eaters, <laughs> the you know hundreds of thousands of them, uh, you know, flooding onto the the Hogwarts grounds uh, as you arrive. Um, sadly, I'm gonna have to make a concession. Uh, you're you're stuck there. This is where the you can't. It's not open world anymore. You're stuck at Hogwarts. Uh, there's a, yeah, there, there's an invisible wall. You can't leave. Um, this is par- partly hell. here for like, uh, you know, speed runners. You know, can, can, they get, <laughs> can they get can they get this cutscene to trigger before before it's supposed to? Can they like escape the invisible wall to walk around and explore? Um, so we'll probably probably throw something in for them. Um, okay. So, so so you get there and you have to battle like waves of waves of death eaters um there's probably probably a part where you have to control neville as he beheads the snake it's like a little mini boss before the main boss um you know he's very handsome uh it's a a brutal bloody battle with with the snake um i'll say that like voldemort casts engorgio on the on nagini so that neville can have kind of a shadow of the colossus segment <laughs> oh we're gonna reuse we're gonna reuse the boss fight yeah oh, well because is... you know we, we we learned some things from um from the basilisk fight second year so um so we don't want to waste that like player skill it's like learning as you play the game yeah um, <laughs> i'm gonna give that a split i'm gonna say that's split down the middle between wicked because people think it's cool to do that again and then bloody hell because uh some people are like lazy developers are reusing the it's the same boss fight from the second one hey you know that's fair because this is partially a budgetary concern we use the yeah. same model um <laughs> <laughs> uh and then you know you kind of have to fight your way as harry to go and confront voldemort and uh and then you have your final boss battle and it's a two it's a two two-phase battle um but i i'm sorry gamers the first phase you're scripted to lose so oh uh, so, shit. you know you restart the game like 20 times after dying to voldemort over and over and over again uh but you're 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 supposed to lose and that's what triggers the the, the cutscene with with dumbledore um and i'll put a little bit of undertale flavor on this I was because just i'm about ha- to say I'm, yeah. gonna have, I'm gonna have dumbledore do a little wink wink nudge nudge bet you restarted the game but you need to accept death huh um 
and that's going to be kind of the, the payoff moment there. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, Dumbledore gives you the, the magic wand to defeat Voldemort and it's so powerful and you've got the biggest, the biggest, baddest weapon weapon yet. And the second phase is just an all out brawl with him where you use, you know, all that you've learned to just blast him to smithereens. Hell yeah. So that's, that's the is, Voldemort boss fight. When you, and when you blow him up, is it like a button? Like, it's like God of War where you can like keep mashing the button and it'll go forever as long as you mash it and you're like blowing him up. That sounds oh, pretty cool. That sounds that sounds pretty Wicked. cool. I didn't think of that because I haven't played God of War, but that sounds Wicked. great. Yeah. Wicked. Yeah, I think you nailed that. Um, okay, and then, uh, uh, and then I guess like, what's your post game content? What's your? Oh, uh, well, you have to become a cop. That's the thing. Is if you if you've <laughs> if you've uh, defeated Voldemort, um, that's the only option. Uh, you can, of course, abandon the main mission and do whatever you want. But if you complete it all the way through, you gotta you gotta get married. You're 18. It's time to get married. Um, and and you have to go be a cop. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. And and like in the end game, there's probably like random spawns of like death eaters that are still loyal to Voldemort even after he's died and it's kind of the like go go after the the random spawns of guys and then you get some gold because that's your job because you're a cop perfect I'm say I'm gonna give that a big wicked for post-game content thank you um okay so let's just uh I'm just gonna go through what we have here <laughs> um and sort of get, give you a final tally so open world yeah oh yeah it's yep um got crash bandicoot set pieces yes bloody hell no guess you're not a fan um i'm not either to be clear i just like to i just like to point (laughs) out i don't really enjoy crash bandicoot uh so uh if if anyone's gotten the impression that i'm a big crash bandicoot fan that's (laughs) that's not correct so then uh a time traveling call of duty set piece level buckbeak thing right well it's also kind of a kind of a vision cone maze sort of okay uh, i'm gonna, I'm gonna give that I mean, you know those are always tricky but i'm gonna give that a wicked for just variety's sake wicked. thank you um underwater level long underwater level with raising and lowering platforms yeah that's that's what we're going uh, and, wa- and water level because oh, you, yes. you, you have to you have to like raise the water level and also in conjunction with that make sure the the platforms are like of the proper height. yeah okay um, unfortunately that's gonna be a do you not remember that i made the mer people sexy uh okay i'm gonna lump that in with your bioware stuff though right like like because we've got a lot of bioware elements in here uh-huh Okay, yeah. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a wicked for all of your your RPG elements here. Wicked. People love those. I'm also gonna give you a wicked for your Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, people love climbing on. Gamers love to climb. They do. You can climb um, anything in this game, by the way. Oh, oh, it's like Assassin's Creed. You can just. Oh yeah, y- yeah. It, anything you can climb on. Okay, so we have uh, Skyrim, GTA uh bioware assassin's creed shadow of the colossus crash bandicoot um undertale 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm really proud of the Undertale With, moment for sure. I, I So, you know, this is so close, but there's there's one there's one key gamer thing you've missed here. Oh, um, you did not say like Dark Souls at oh, any shit. point at any point here. And you're just you've just you've lost you've lost the hardcore gamers. Uh, That's too bad. I thought that so I was going to be pretty hardcore since it was rated M, but you're right. I didn't say like Dark Souls. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't say like Dark Souls once, and that's just uh, like you know. You, I think you've got all of the like the the casual fans and the and like the the like normy normal gamers, but but like they're still gonna every now and then you're gonna log onto the Harry Potter Reddit and you're gonna be haunted by. Does anyone else think that the combat should have been more like Dark Souls? And, and it's gonna it's gonna haunt you forever. That is haunting, especially considering that I put in that sequence that's like from uh, Force Unleashed. And if anything is less like Dark Souls, it's um, <laughs> it's the Darth Vader uh, exploding Wookiees sequence. <laughs> Very good. Um, but yeah, I think overall I'm gonna give you a Wicked. Wicked. However, uh oh, twist ending here. Mm. Your budget out of control. Oh no. Um. So unfortunately. Despite how good this is, you are going to have to put in microtransactions and loot boxes. Oh. Uh, and that's going to be a big for for yeah. all time. Um, yeah. But but overall, I think you did pretty good. And uh, WB hit us up. We it's it's that easy. We just made you a game. It's perfect. I mean, I don't know why they haven't made this game by now. It's it's Harry Potter and it's every big game uh stretched across all of time yes every um, every big game ever made rolled into one what could possibly be easier than this unbelievable guess we just Un have hogwarts mystery unbelievable yeah we got hogwarts mystery uh, and that's and that's all we're gonna get well that and the the ar game <laughs> oh that's right shit i forgot about that <laughs> i keep forgetting about that but yeah everyone speaking of budgets uh we now have a patreon um if you would like to subscribe to the shrieking shack and support us uh you can do so now uh for three dollars you will get access to our bonus content um which includes right now we have a a uh, a deep dive into the satanic panic surrounding the original books um we'll be doing some let's plays very soon that we are excited about so speaking of more video games you will be getting to see what the real uh garbage harry potter video games are like um <laughs> And uh, yeah, we would appreciate it if you would if you would subscribe or share it. Um, give us a, a review on iTunes. Um, and in between all that, find some time to read another book. Please read another book. Deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. A locked door it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world is opened up as has the Griffin's dream. Mm-hmm, that's right. Cause you'll find those shapes and sizes if you go into the dream. But there's a lady.